Following Jesus in the present age is a perennial task. Join me, Ian Panth, biblical scholar and theologian, as I walk through the Christian scriptures and think theology out loud. If you want to dig deeper into the Bible or engage in God talk, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome. I invite you to listen in on my daily personal reflections as I follow the Robert Murray McShane Bible Reading Plan. You can find this plan on, for instance, BiblePlans.org. I'm recording these reflections, or daily devotions, to provide one example of how one individual reflects upon and reacts to Scripture. My hope is that in listening in on my personal reflections, you, the listener, will be encouraged in the development of your own daily Scripture reading habits and begin to hear, to hear the Spirit speaking to you through the Scripture. These reflections are not examples of deep exegesis and interpretation. For that, you can listen to my Slow Walk Through Revelation series or other podcasts that I produce. Rather, I'm inviting you to listen in on how my Spirit responds to the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit as He speaks to me through this daily habit. Feel free to join me twice daily as I divide the McShane family reading into morning and evening reflections. The secret readings I keep to myself. Also, feel free to simply listen to the scripture reading and spend time with the spirit and the text to form your own habit of listening to the spirit in the text. The reading for the evening of July 15th is the book of Acts, chapter 2. This evening I'll be reading from Joel Edmund Anderson's translation of the New Testament, affectionately known as the Jav, uh, which is available on Amazon.com. Acts, chapter 2. Now when the day of Pentecost had come, everyone was together in one place. Suddenly, out of heaven, there came a sound like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Tongues like fire appeared, divided among them, and sat upon each one of them. Everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave speech to them. At that time, there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout men from all nations under heaven. When this sound happened, a crowd gathered. They were very confused, startled and amazed, because they heard them speaking to them, each one in their own language. They said, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? So how can we hear them, each in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and those living in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, even Romans who are visiting, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We are hearing them speak in our own tongues about the mighty deeds of God. 
everyone was startled and confused and said to each other, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are full of new wine. But Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed them. Men of Judea, everyone staying in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, listening closely to my words. These people are not drunk like you think. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what had been spoken about through the prophet Joel. It will be in the last days, says God, when I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In the last days, even upon my male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit upon them, and they will prophesy. I will give wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the land below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun will be changed into darkness, and the moon will be changed into blood, before the great and glorious day the Lord comes. Then all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, was a man who had been commended by God to you with dynamic deeds, wonders, and signs. God did them in your midst through him, as you yourselves know. You crucified this man who was given over in the purpose and foreknowledge of God and put him to death by the hands of those who reject the Torah. But God raised him up and loosened the pains of death. It was not possible for him to be seized by it. For David says of him, I foresaw the Lord always in my presence. He is at my right hand, and I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart celebrated and my tongue was glad. Even my flesh was, will still tabernacle in hope, because you will not abandon my soul in Hades. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will fill me up with gladness, with your presence. Men, brothers, it is fitting to speak openly to you about the patriarch David, because he both died and was buried. His tomb is with us to this day. But being a prophet and having known that God had sworn an oath to him that he would seat one of the fruit of his loins upon his throne, he looked ahead and spoke about the resurrection of the Messiah, that he would not be abandoned to Hades, nor would his flesh see decay. God raised this Jesus up, and we are all witnesses to this. He has now been exalted to the right hand of God, and has received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, whom he has poured out, and whom you have both seen and heard. For it was not David who ascended into heaven. He himself said, Lord, Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this very Jesus whom you crucified. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the other apostles, What should we do, brothers? Peter said to them, Repent. Each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus the Messiah for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God has called to himself. With many other words he testified to and encouraged them, saying, You must be saved from this crooked generation. Those who had accepted his word were baptized 
and there were added on that day about 3,000 souls. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now there was reverence in every person, and many wonders and signs were happening through the apostles. Everyone who had faith was as one, and they had everything in common. They would sell their property and possessions, and then divide it among everyone, as everyone had need. Day after day they devoted themselves together in the temple, broke bread from house to house, and shared food in gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having grace from all the people. The Lord was adding to them those who are being saved every day. So in Acts chapter 2, uh, which... Joel has helpfully called Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So this is um, the day of like uh, first fruits, I believe, is Pentecost. Um, and th there's a couple things in this event that kind of echo things from the Old Testament. So first, there's uh, there's a sense of this Tower of Babel reversal. So if you remember the Tower of Babel, uh, people uh, are building a tower to get up to the heavens, right? To ascend to the heavens themselves. And that's likely a reference to just the practice of building ziggurats. So uh, you built, built sort of mountain gardens uh, you built a constructed mountain, you put a garden on top, and the gods dwelled there. So it's it's something like that. Um, this was not a practice uh, that Israel was going to, to follow. And it's also this continuing notion of, um, back to Adam and Eve, of human beings grasping at divinity and grasping, like it, it's like self-achieving uh, access to the heavenly realm, uh, elevating themselves instead of, uh, as in the garden, uh, re receiving that as kind of a, a gift and a gift that one receives over time. So there is a strong tradition in uh, the Christian church um, that we are to become like God in the Greek Orthodox tradition it's uh, theosis that that is uh, ultimately uh, we participate in God's divinity but it's it's a it's a gift it's not something that you can take and once you, once you try to do that you're undermining the the gift you're actually like separating yourself from that so it's it's uh, Adam and Eve are grasping at it. The Tower of Babel is this attempt to achieve this godlike status or connection to heaven, and that's just not how to go about it. So, uh, if you think about Jesus' statement, the way, the truth, and the life, uh, there's often an emphasis, unfortunately, on truth as simply being a a list of like assenting to certain. Uh, facts or doctrines or statements about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit 
and that that's not what truth is in that context it's a part of it but the loss of emphasis on the way uh, that it's how one goes about it is as important as uh, what uh, what one believes so you can have I'm I mean Jesus says this Paul says this you can kind of have all the right doctrines in place but if you don't do them do it lovingly if love isn't part of what you're doing then uh it's pretty useless it does paul says he's just a clanging gong uh and that's what a lot of unfortunately like you find a lot of street preachers who are yelling at people or you know yelling at people through their their multimedia tv presentations they're just clanging gongs gongs right they're just loud noises uh they're not doing it with love and compassion they're not actually helping people so the way one goes about it uh, and here it's the holy spirit is received as a gift and so the holy spirit again uh go back to gordon fee's uh three word definition of the holy spirit god's empowering presence so the holy spirit's spirit of god's been around through old testament it represents um, god's presence associated with god's glory so uh settles on uh, well uh let me pick up on leading the people in the in the wilderness and out of egypt through pillar of uh smoke by day and pillar of fire by night so um this this image of the little tongues of fire coming um fire being associated with the holy spirit and now it's not um a a pillar of fire leading the people it's little tongues of fire each resting on uh individuals so um everybody has access it's actually descending on and dwelling in the people so um and that was sort of the ultimate goal you see that throughout um remember with moses uh when he's uh, interceding for the people and and um the people are coming to him for uh advice and to make judgments and uh situations between them and situations of conflict or how, how do we live and he's just kind of getting overwhelmed with that and his father-in-law jethro says well why are you doing this all on your own that's just not a good practice which is also remember a good good follow-up advice for uh pastors um either who feel like they need to do it on their own or uh, maybe out of some sense of hubris and ego uh do everything on their own but Jethro says, you have a whole community of leaders and elders. Uh, why don't you share this responsibility? And so part of that is the spirit goes out to the different leaders and elders so that they are also able to do that. And of course, then you have uh, the role of the prophets in the community where the spirit goes out to them. And that's the also the image of uh, anointing in scripture which is where we get the word messiah from uh the anointed one uh so uh, 
basically anybody who was anointed was uh, Mashiach, anointed. Uh, and so prophets, priests, and kings were anointed ones. And that symbolic, that oil is symbolic of the spirit um, on those people. So it's a, um, to use the sacramental language, it's an outward sign of an inward grace. And so the spirit descends on them. They speak all these languages. So going back to the Tower of Babel thing. So the Tower of Babel, remember the languages were diversified. Like everybody, people couldn't understand each other. And that uh, divided the people up, which was uh, uh, putting the people into like a different groups so that they would, uh, because they were resisting the, the um, blessing and the command to be fruitful multiply and and go forth right so they're instead they're gathering together uh under one language one idea and all and it to me i see that as uh, something throughout scripture this tendency toward uh of human beings to to organize themselves under some sort of totalitarian idea which the israel occasionally flirted with but certainly under under the Greeks, that's what they experience. Is like, well, if you want, under our rule, um, and I'm thinking especially of Antiochus Epiphanes, under our rule, if you want to um, live amongst us, then you actually have to become like one of us. So all these rituals that separate you from us, well, don't practice those. Uh, so uh, don't practice your food rituals or your cleanliness rituals. Um, eat, eat pork. Uh, if you want to engage in our Olympic games and our social games, uh, sports, um, you need to do it naked. And uh, in order not to look different, uh, those the men who are circumcised, they need to go through a process so they don't look circumcised anymore. Uh, so, yeah, you have all these things, uh, and not don't keep the Sabbath because that makes you look different too. So all these rules that try to make everybody look the same um, through sort of a totalitarian kind of mindset and here you have this uh, you don't have one language you have the Galileans speaking in the various languages and and, and that's important too because the the uh, in exile and being under the uh, dom dominion of various uh, empires over time the Jews are living in the diaspora which is uh, sort of like this thrown seed like spreading seed uh, they've been scattered uh, around and therefore they many of them speak different langu languages some they don't speak Hebrew some speak Aramaic some speak Greek um, some speak uh, Persian uh, whatever i'm not sure what the some kind of coptic languages so they're spread they're spread out so they're they're all coming to jerusalem but they're not necessarily uh they don't necessarily have a language in common any longer and so they begin to hear these galileans and galileans they would know that because the galileans have an accent um uh a unique accent that people would recognize it's kind of like uh 
I can recognize a Northern Ontario accent or in the U.S. you can recognize, uh, you know, a Southern accent and probably people in the South can recognize even regional accents there. Um, definitely people can recognize a Bostonian accent in the States. Uh, and so a distinctive accent, but suddenly these people are speaking in not... Uh, unknown languages but known languages so that's one thing to note here too is oftentimes when people are considering speaking in tongues there's a default to assume it's some kind of angelic language now i i'm not going to discount that there someone might speak in tongues in a in an unknown language but here what we have is not that we have people hearing it's like if i didn't know uh or you know uh swedish and uh the holy spirit comes upon me and i'm suddenly speaking in swedish and there's a swede near me and he's like i thought you were Canadian I didn't know you know Swedish and I will go I don't know Swedish but you know <laughs> right now I seem to um, so that's what's going on there so it's like this overcoming a reversal of the Tower of Babel um, and specifically centered on the the uh, diaspora Jewish community which is now gathered in Jerusalem for uh, the day of Pentecost so we hear them speaking in our own tongues about the mighty deeds of God. So they, you know, they're they're talking about the mighty deeds of God. They're uh, we'll see that throughout Acts, but they're always going to be referring to what God did in the past, and then now what He's doing uh, in a fuller expression to fulfill these what He's done in the past, His promises in Jesus Christ. And here the emphasis is going to be on his resurrection but it's also emphasis on this uh this uh, quote from joel where they're saying in the last days so uh, now post resurrection they're seeing these as the last days uh your sons and daughter will prophesy there was a sense in the exile that there was a a famine of the word, a famine of prophetic voice. And so again, the, another Old Testament reversal here where this is now that uh, prophetic voice is back in the community and uh, the Holy Spirit is now coming on all, all your sons and daughters and they'll all prophesy. So again, this is like a, it's, it's not something that's confined to one person or one place, but something that can potentially go out to all people and by the end of this you're going to see uh, like 3,000 uh, people wanting to be baptized or being baptized so going back to what I had said um, in passing about uh, pastors leaders in, in the church that's part of what so I went to Regent College, and that's part of the vision of, of Regent College, was um, it wasn't primarily there to train new pastors. It was to give theological 
um, solid biblical education to the laity, that is, uh, the average person in the congregation. And um, yes, pastors come out of Regent College because some people end up finding their calling there um, to do that. But for a lot of people who went to Regent, they went back to whatever profession they were in before him, but with a new knowledge and um, better equipped to take on roles in their congregation of leadership and teaching um, better equipped to think theologically through just living through uh, life in in the world so that they're in the world but not of it and so there is a tendency even in churches especially when you have like some uh, a leader who's a dynamic uh, personality uh, that everything either uh, through habit uh, gets laid on one individual or um, alternatively through the ego of that one individual they don't share their responsibility so uh, my view of a good of a good shepherd a good pastor is that you uh, seek out where God has gifted so again look for the Holy Spirit where is the Holy Spirit act already acting in the community? Look for the ways in which the different um, members of your congregation are already gifted and empower them and give them responsibility and encourage them and strengthen them uh, so that you, uh, as a leader you don't get burnt out or um, in the case of moral failing, which also happens, uh, th that there's other people in the congregation who um, can continue to serve the church and continue to, to grow. Because if you have just one person as the, as the center and the pillar, and that person isn't Christ, but some uh, one pastor leader then when they go everything can crumble but if you've strengthened your community and nurtured those gifts then it's not all dependent on that one person and then that one person can take breaks right so sabbaticals rest uh they can uh focus on actually uh, that's a good way to bring this to an end so they they've they devoted themselves, this is Acts um, 2, around verse 40, I don't have the exact quote, uh, the exact verse reference. They devoted themselves to teaching of the apostles, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so when you empower your community and everybody's devoting themselves to these things, but the, the pastor can also not just be busy, so um, I believe, I'm trying to remember the quote from Eugene Peterson, busyness is messy spirituality, uh, that if you're just a busy pastor, active, 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 um, well, that's not necessarily being a good pastor. It's not necessarily good for one's spiritual life. One needs to rest but spend time in prayer, um, continuing to... Uh, 
challenge and educate oneself uh, and continue to grow. Uh, you, I, I have yet to meet anybody who gets out of Bible college or seminary who's uh, finished being discipled. So having uh, the pastor should have someone who they call pastor. So someone, a mentor, someone to guide them um, because they're not finished growing. So when you empower your congregation and give them responsibility uh, as a pastor, you can continue to be discipled and continue to grow in your uh, character and your knowledge and understanding of who God is, which then, of course, feeds back into you being a better uh, pastor to your flock in the model of the good shepherd from Ezekiel, which Christ himself picks up as the model. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. So that's those are my reflections on what, what I'm kind of drawing from Acts chapter 2 today. Thank you for joining me. Uh, you should be able to uh, join me again tomorrow morning as we look at uh, the next chapter of Joshua, Joshua chapter 23, and tomorrow evening for Acts chapter 3. Thank you for joining me for this evening's personal reflection as I follow through Robert Murray McShane's Bible reading plan, which can be found on, uh, for instance, BiblePlans.org. If you have found this helpful, encouraging, uh, have you found it a, a way to begin to form your own habit of daily Bible reading and to give you an idea of the just one person's way of reflecting on scripture, then don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. Uh, the readings and reflections will be posted twice daily, a morning and an evening. The morning probably around 8 o'clock and the evening uh, I'll try to post for around 5 o'clock. But, you know, find that space and time, whether it's while you're driving uh, to work or riding the bus, or uh, for me, a lot of what I do is while I'm walking the dogs. And uh, yeah, just try to form your own daily habit and daily practice. So I hope you find this helpful. Uh, again, subscribe and select notifications so that you're informed of future podcasts. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of Starcross Kingdoms. If you like this content, well, you probably already know what to do. Like, subscribe, and please share. Also, feel free to send in your questions. Just keep them friendly and conversational, and that way I'll be far more likely to respond to them. Until next time, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.